Hello, and welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. Thank you for joining us to worship and learn more about God as we all pursue Him together as a community. For more podcasts and services about past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendecatur.org. Or come connect with us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. Well, praise God, Renaissance. It's exciting to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I don't know about you, but every time I get an opportunity to come into the house of the Lord, I get excited. And my expectancy raises because I know when we encounter God, everything changes. We have this saying at our church. Um, let me introduce myself. My name is Jameson Wheeler. For those of you all who may not know, um, this is um, a home away from home for me. Um, today has just been crazy, man. You, uh, I thank God for Renaissance. I talk about Renaissance all the time. Um, there's people sometimes that come to our church, and I'm like, man, you might want to try Renaissance out first. <laughs> This is a home away from home. I love Jeff and Stacy and all the staff here. Chris, this is my brother, man. Chris is Chris Krause is, is. I mean, if you didn't, if we looked the same, you would think I was his twin brother. <laughs> that's my brother, man. Um, TJ, that's another brother. I just, I love you all here. I'm excited to be here. Uh, sorry if I if I'm a bit disoriented at the moment. I have this saying at our church that. You know, when Jesus is in the room, who can preach to Jesus? So I have an assignment, and I have to kind of mellow myself out because I could stay in the moments of worship all day. And some of you all will leave and come back, and we'll still be here. Um, but we're not going to do that today. Um, I'm just extremely excited. Um, I want to say this ahead of time because this is a home away from home for me. Hopefully, Jeff invites me back. Um, this word that the Lord has um, kind of laid in my heart is it's really been tough. I was talking to Jeff back behind the stage there um, or in his office, and one of the things that I don't normally do is I don't normally share um, or preach what God has given me personally. Um, maybe let this be a side note. I believe that um, preaching is an assignment from the Lord, and I don't take that lightly at all. But I don't think as preachers, and I know there's more preachers in the room um, than what meets the eye. I mean, you guys got a whole doctor that plays the drums. So, I mean, <laughs> so um, for preaching, we shouldn't be digging into God's word to find something to preach. Like this is our daily bread. And so this is the thing that God has been speaking to me. This is something that's been really personal for me. And it's been a word of correction for myself. Um, and I don't normally share what God is giving me personally. Like, this is my bread. You know what I mean? Like, I've been eating this thing, and it's been um, nourishment to me. But the thing that's so nervous is because the way that this came to me, it was almost like God was giving, excuse me, like God was giving me a whooping. And I know, you know, this is 2023, and we don't believe in whoopings, but <laughs> the Lord believes in whoopings. <laughs> <laughs> and the Bible talks about hitting kids with rods. So I don't know what they, don't know what they were doing in there. I don't beat my kids with rods. I guess let me say something else about myself. I have six children, so I know a little bit about whoopings, right? <laughs> and I, excuse me, but I have a black mama. <laughs> so I definitely know something about some whoopings. 
Um, uh, a, a single mom and dad. My mom raised me um, by herself. So, well, thank God for the church because the church helped a lot with that. But it was just us in the house. So I know something about some whoopings. And I know when I'm getting a whooping. And I was before the Lord and I was getting a whooping, a good one. And and it just it was something that just came to me really correcting. Um, but when the question came forward, what is that one thing that God has been speaking to you about here lately? I love this series, by the way. Um, this is what God has been speaking to me about. And so I want to be true to what God is saying to me. And that is the obedience factor. <sighs> if we pay attention to, I hope that was enough introduction, Jeff, you could you can polish that up later. <laughs> if we pay attention to um, the state of Christianity today, there's a lot of, how can I say this, emotionalism that's involved in our walk with the Lord. Um, and if you hear me umming a lot, it's because I'm looking for words that can polish up the way that this came to me. Because I want to be, I, I want to be nice. But there's gonna be a moment because that clock is back there. There's gonna be a moment where I stop umming. I'm giving you all a, a heads up. Just t take your own words. All right, you guys are very educated in here, so you get it. And if it comes off a bit rough, I pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to polish it up. I'm gonna do my part here now at the beginning while I'm conscious of what's going on, but I don't think it's gonna stay that way. There's a lot of emotionalism that has been involved in our walk with the God, we, with the Lord. Like we've said things like, I feel as if God is leading me in this direction. And, and our emotions have been what's leading us. And sometimes our emotions have led us away from the voice of the Lord. The Bible talks about how his sheep knows his voice. And there are times, more times than not, when God speaks to us and it directly contradicts our emotions. If you're looking for any other type of preaching, this is what you're going to get today. There are times when God's voice completely contradicts how we feel. And so God is saying to us in this era of Christianity, because I believe that we're on the verge or we're on the edge of, and I hate saying things like this, but this is just for vocabularies, for vocabulary's sake, we're on the edge of something great. Like there's a, a stirring in the spirit where God is moving and you can tell that God is moving and there are different things that's happening people being baptized people coming to the Lord miracle signs and wonders things like that taking place things that we've only heard about we're beginning to see again and I believe that what's going to sustain the move of God is the obedience of the people of God because what what will happen what will happen to us is don't do too much clapping because then I might start preaching like I'm at home for real and then then it's gonna be like forget the clock I'm the pastor no. <laughs> the the obedience of God's people is what's going to to sustain the move of God. And so we have to get to a place as believers and we're gonna go to scripture here in, in just a second where our our service, our worship to God is more than just a song. Where our service and our worship to God is his word being 
acted out in our lives. His word taking priority in our lives and we really begin to move and govern. There's a word that we don't like today. Govern our lives based off of what God has said in his word. And then the direction that we get when it's time to make decisions, we begin to make decisions based off of what God has said to me now, not based off of what the role may look like. Because a lot of times what we do is we make decisions based off of what's to come after this decision. Let me give you an example, then we'll read the scripture. We'll sit down and we'll look at two jobs. And we'll make those decisions based off the pros and cons of those two jobs. Well, this job has these health benefits, while this job doesn't have as many health benefits, but it's more money. And we, or, or hear about this one, because maybe it's some single folks in the room. We'll begin to make decisions uh, um, about dating based off of my current condition of loneliness. And so I'm lonely now. I don't have somebody to talk to. And so now I'm, I'm on plentyoffish.com, <laughs> Christian Mingle. And I'm looking for a spouse because I'm lonely and I want somebody to talk to. And then we start dating these people and we base our next step based off of what they got going on in their life. Well, does he have a job? Right? Well, does he still live with his parents? Does she? Uh, never mind. All right. <laughs> and we don't take those decisions to the Lord in prayer. And we don't base those decisions based off of, does this person have a genuine walk with the Lord? Or God, what job have you assigned me to? Because maybe these two jobs that offer all of, this, all of these resources, and I'm not saying neglect your family, but we'll get to there in a second. Not, I'm never telling anybody to neglect their family. I'll never do that. But we'll begin to base these decisions based off of what this decision will do for me and not based off of what God has said. So let's go to the scripture. First Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to start at verse 17. I know I gave them a lot. So I'm going to paint a picture real quick for you, tell you the story. So there's this guy by the name of King Saul who was um, anointed as king of Israel. And I could really get into some of this stuff maybe another time. But he's anointed as king of Israel because Israel decided that they need a king. God didn't tell them that they needed a king, but they decided we want to be like everybody else. And we need a king. And so God anoints, uses the, the prophet uh, Samuel to anoint Saul as king of Israel. And he has the look, you know, he has that it factor, that thing like you look at somebody, kind of like Caleb. Like you look at somebody and you just know, man, they got it going on. If I was not at a place that was home away from home, Renaissance is a home away from home, but I want to keep Caleb away from my wife, man. Like, wait, she might tell me I need to go to the gym. I'm not going to the gym, not like that. I'm joking. I am joking. Somebody going to tell my wife, that, no, never mind. I'm joking. But he has this it factor, right? Like he, you can see him and he, he just has it going on and God anoints him. Now, let me make this clear. He was not, um, it wasn't like God did not choose Samuel. I mean, Saul. God chose Saul. So he's anointed as king. And while he's anointed as king, he, before he's actually king, he does some really great stuff. He helped save Israel from some battles and things like that. But we come into this story here in 1 Samuel chapter 15 where God has given him clear instruction. And he tells him to go into this battle and kill everybody and everything. 
This is the, 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 oh my goodness. This is the word that comes from God through the man of God. That's a hard part for us. I can't even read the scripture yet. That's a hard part for us. Because we want to hear directly from God and treat our pastors and our leaders as if God did not assign them as spiritual authority over our lives. I know that's not common for today. But God has set your pastor in a position of spiritual leadership, not so that he can rule you or so that he can govern over you, but his responsibility is to oversee your soul. And when he begins to speak as your pastor, sometimes we take what he says, oh, that's just Jeff. That's just my friend. And so I'll take what he's saying. When God is speaking to him, I'll take what he's saying as if it's a suggestion. Anyway, let's just keep talking about Saul because, again, if anybody, I guess I didn't say this. Anybody get mad and you decide you want to throw rocks, I'll throw them back. All right? We, we fight back where I'm from. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 17. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? And I want to say this. I'm reading in the NIV. I think we have the ESV on the screen. Um, they basically say the same thing, but there's a couple words that I wanted to point out here. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. If you have a paper Bible, underline that part. The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy all those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? This is Saul's response. But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission and the Lord assigned me. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, or however you pronounce that, their king. The soldier took sheep, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Hmm. And Samuel said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So look at what happens here. Saul gets an assignment from God. He goes into the assignment, and he sees some things with his eyes that maybe were not detailed by God, which is he saw how good some of this stuff looked. And when he saw how good some of this stuff looked, now, what we just read was his excuse. He really was lying because he wanted to keep these things for himself. If you read a little bit before this, you see where Saul has set up an altar to himself on the mountain. But he's lying to the prophet. He's lying to the man of God. And he says to the man of God, well, we kept these things so that we can give them as an offering to the Lord. Here's one thing that I wanted to kind of point out here. Our offering, our worship, our service to the Lord should not come from our emotions or what we feel like is right. 
And I've said this already. I'm going to say this a few more times. Our service to the Lord should be based out of a place of obedience. This is what God said. Practically, what does this look like? There are some people, maybe not in Renaissance, but in churches all over the world that are serving and volunteering in places that God did not tell them to serve or volunteer. There are people that are standing in pulpits preaching that God didn't call to preach. There are people that are leading worship simply because they have great voices or because they're, they're talented and skilled on instruments, but this is not where God has assigned me to serve. Maybe God called you and your talented self to serve on the toilet committee. But my emotions say, now this is where things get a bit tough because we see this all the time. My emotions say that I want to be on the stage. I want to be seen. I want people to see my, my service to the Lord and look at what I'm doing and maybe other people will get excited about serving the Lord. But God said, what if God said, I want you to serve in a place where no one tells you thank you. I want you to serve in a place where no one sees what you're doing. Is it easy to obey when I'm being seen in my obedience? Or is it, e it well, let me not even make that a question. It's easier to obey God when I'm being seen. But how difficult is it for us to obey God when the things um, that he's called us to do are not things that get us recognition? It's not easy. But it's still the obedience that God is requiring from us. So we see Saul, he takes all of the good things and he says, I'm just going to give these to God. I ain't going to talk about, I won't even begin to talk about finance. Because how many times is our offering based off of something that we've budgeted? But when God called us to a place of giving financially, y'all told me be comfortable. When God calls me to a place of giving financially, that also has to be obedience. All right, leave that alone. That hurt. I felt something there. So Saul says to to the prophet, and this is the prophet's response. That's why I love God so much, because God will use our excuses and begin to teach us a lesson. So he gives, us the, he gives him this excuse, and he responds to the excuse even though he knows that, that this is a lie. And he says, wait a minute. Do you think God is excited about these, this offering? Is God more excited about your outward expression than the condition of your heart? That's what his response is. Is God more excited about the, the, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices than your obedience to him? Because true obedience is a heart issue. It's a condition of the heart. It's where my heart is so submitted to God that when he asks me to do something that hurts, I don't mind doing it. Why? Because I'm submitted to him. And here's where things get a bit tough for us. And this is how this word came to me, because it was really easy for me to obey God in the first year or two of me pastoring at our church when it was just five people coming to the church. And so, God, here we are. And I think I've said this here because I've been here in different phases of ministry. I've been I, that's crazy. I just thought about that. I've been um, invited to, to speak here at Renaissance in different phases of ministry. And I've said here before, like, man, this is what I don't know what I'm doing. So I have no choice but to just obey God. And we obey God. And you see the evidence of obeying God. And he begins to bless you right where you are. You start seeing people come. And, and now I'm talking about myself. You start seeing people come and the church begins to grow. And 
now, because there's more people in the seats, it's harder to obey God when he gives you a word like this one because you're like, oh, they're not going to come back next week. Because we feel like there's now something to lose. But when I had nothing, it was easy to obey God. So what am I going to lose? Is there such thing as negative nothing? I have nothing to lose. But now that there's something to lose, this is why it's so interesting to me that Samuel says to Saul and at verse 17, he says, you were once small in your own eyes. There was once a time where you saw yourself how you were supposed to see yourself. But this, this arrogance that has, been, that has been brewing is really just his response to look at what God is doing in my life. Every time I sing, I, I never mind. I ain't gonna say that that way. Uh, yes, I will. Okay. Every time, every time um, I'm using this as an example now, um, a worship leader. When I when I lead on the worship team, TJ, God shows up. I know nobody talks to TJ like this. When I lead on the worship team, TJ, you can just feel the presence of God, and God just uses me. So I need to lead every song every time. It's this arrogance that gets built up, but you forget the statement was God is using me. I don't know if you ever read the Bible before, but God can use whatever he wants. Because I read a story where he literally used a donkey. You think about that. If God decides he wants to use a donkey, I'll be the donkey that you use. But don't forget that you were a donkey. Because if it had not been for the spirit and the presence of the Lord, that's all we are. And we'll begin to, to take the things that God is, has blessed us with, and those will be the things that we begin to worship, or those will be the things that we obey. Those will be the things that we put in, as priority in our lives. So God blessed me with a business. Uh-oh. God blessed me with a business. And because God blessed me with a business, now I'm so engulfed in this business that I forgot that he gave me this business so that I can fund what he's doing. Ah, so I can fund what he's doing in the earth. And so now as the business begins to grow, I'll begin to make these financial decisions. I don't know why I'm talking about this. I'll begin to make these financial decisions where I begin to pull back because I want to save the business. I want to save the business. But God is saying, no, I gave you this so you can pour into the kingdom. I gave you this so that you can fund kingdom movements, so that you can be a, a financial donor. Do you know that there were people in Jesus' ministry that were just there to give financially? Uh-oh, I guess we can't talk about that either. I'm, this is just an example. I promise I'm not talking about anybody in this room because I don't know you all that well. We'll take the things that he's blessed us with and we'll begin to serve those rather than serve God. And that's why he said at the, at the last scripture, rebellion is like the sin of divination. That's witchcraft. But arrogance is evil like idolatry. So idol worship. I worship myself. And what I want, the self-satisfaction. And so now when I go to make decisions, I'm not asking God what you want from me. I'm looking at what benefits me the most. People of God, the first criteria of a disciple, the first criteria of one that follows Jesus says you have to deny yourself. Obedience is one of the nails that holds us on the cross. God, I'm going to obey you whether it looks appealing or not. 
last scripture here, Matthew chapter 7. This is amazing. I'm almost finished. I wanted to read this in the message because it just kind of popped out to me in the message translation. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. Mm. That's so amazing. This is why, you know, this kind of stuck out to me being pointed out this way because in other translations, it almost looks like somebody's trying to get into heaven. But this one is like Jesus is saying, that's not going to get you any additional favor with me. So let's make this clear. There's no works that we can do to gain access to heaven. Access to heaven has been granted to us by Jesus' obedience. His death on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection is what gave us access to heaven. So that's not what we're talking about. I'm not saying if you disobey God, you're going to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. That's not what the scripture is saying. Saying that's not going to get you any additional favor with me. Knowing what to say. Knowing how to put on the act. Knowing how to do the church thing. Knowing how to do um, um, good works. Knowing, knowing how to, 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 to give to the people on the side of the road because, oh, that just makes me feel good. I do it because it makes me feel good. But did God tell you to do it? Because I guarantee you if God told you to do it, it might look a little different. Anyway, knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my father wills. I can see it now at the final judgment. Thousands strutting up to me saying, Master, we've preached the message. We've bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. Thousands of people came to my church. People were healed in the services where I preached at. Or because I was because my heart was pulled and I went and prayed for the lady, she cried a little bit. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. That's what he said. We're not going to stop there. That's, that's hard. That is hard. Because for a lot of us, our, our good works, the things that we've done, have, have caused us to have this pompous, pharisaical attitude. We just walking because, hey, man, I'm, I'm a Christian. And so I, I give to those in need. So he's saying, like, wait a minute. If we've done those things and they haven't been done out of obedience, since you did nothing. What kind of poor business decision is that? Verse 23, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. <laughs> That's crazy. They are foundational words used to build a life on. When we come into the house of God, and God gives us a word through whoever is, is preaching. And I, I want to use this as a specific example. When God gives us a word through whoever is ministering the word, these are not motivational speeches. This is not designed so that we can feel like we've done our weekly duty to the Lord. Coming to church on Sunday morning is not something that we've done and gave to God. 
That's, that's kind of hard. We haven't done God a favor by being here. This is for us. It says this, 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 this worship, this, this obedience that I'm asking for is not that you come and sit and hear a good word and you leave and go to lunch. We leave and go to lunch and we talk about how good the word was. But Monday, when it's time to apply it, it's nowhere to be found. Messages posted on, on social media sites where, you know, where at our church, you know, four or five years ago, we didn't use the social media. You had to go buy a CD. And people would buy it. And I, I think some folks at our church, and I'm just going to talk about our church now for real, because that was one of the first things I did. Like, man, y'all in here buying CDs ain't even listening to them. Because what was happening is people would go and sit at our little media outlet center to buy a CD so they can look super spiritual. It's like, man, I'm, I'm investing in the word of God, so I'm buying this CD. And then call me on Tuesday. I'm like, man, did you listen to the, to the message from Sunday? Because if you listen to the message from Sunday, you will see that God has, all, he has a different vantage point than we do. I, I'm going to talk about that, too. I got five minutes left. He has a different vantage point than we do. And so the, the, the message was given, and he saw what Tuesday was going to look like. And so for some reason, here we are talking about it on Sunday, and now you're calling because you don't know what to do. And I'm not, I don't want to make light, and I don't want to make fun of anyone. I'm using this to say, hey, God has a different vantage point. He sees what Tuesday is going to look like. And so when the word comes on Sunday, if you just take it and eat it and apply it, then maybe on Tuesday the call to pastor would be a little different. Maybe the call would be like, this is the, the, the mountain that was in front of me this week. But on Sunday, this is what I heard, and this is what I was able to apply to my life. That's what Jesus is saying here. I'm not giving you something just to go and add some paint to your walls. Homeowner improvements. No, he's saying these are things that we're supposed to build our lives upon. He says if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who builds his house on the solid rock. Rain poured down. The river flood flooded a tornado hit but nothing moved that house it was fixed to the rock because the carpenter is building knowing that someday there may be a tornado in illinois someday you may have a storm that comes and and the wind blows so hard that the house could possibly be blown over but the one that can see down the road, who is Christ, God, the Alpha, the Omega, he exists outside of time. He sees down the road. His vantage point is a little bit different. And so we, our obedience can be based off what we see. Our obedience has to be the fruit of our faith. The Bible says in the book of James, I believe it is that faith without works. Folks read the Bible in here. I had to pause. It's a quiz. Faith without works is. Is dead. What are the works of faith? Obedience to what God said. That's how we work our faith by obeying God, even when what even when what I see in front of me is not nice. Okay, God, you told me to go this way, but over there there's a big mountain. Over there there's some fire. Over there there's a lot of trouble. But this is where you told me to go. I can just go over here and it'll be a lot easier for me. Saul, 
says, I can just keep this stuff and it can be a lot easier for me. If you read a few more chapters down in that story in 1 Samuel, now, this isn't what literally happened, but there was, after the death of Saul, there was an Amalekite that tried to take credit for it. Well, what's that got to do with anything? These are the same people that God told him to kill off. The same ones that God said, kill all of them, later on tries to come and take credit for Saul's death. I don't think that's ironic. I don't think that's coincidental. I think what happened there is God is saying, listen, I can see things from a place that you can't. Just obey my words. Obey my teachings. The worship that God is looking for is not our song. It's not just our song. The worship that God is looking for is not just our offering. The worship that God is looking for is our obedience to him. I'm going to close this now because I just, I, just, I just need to stop. But this is made so, so somebody asks, why are you talking worship? Is this, this confusing? You're talking about worship? You're talking about obedience? You cannot worship without obedience. There's this thing, you know, when reading scripture that's called the law of first mentions. The very first time worship is mentioned in the Bibles in Genesis, I believe, chapter 17, where God has told Abraham, he's told Abraham, hey, I want you to sacrifice your promise. I want you to sacrifice Isaac. You know, the one that you were waiting years and years for, the one that you went into the process of trying to get Hagar pregnant, the the legitimate one. I want you to sacrifice him. And Abraham says, he gathers a bunch of things together and he tells his servants, you all wait here. And he grabs Isaac and he says, the boy and I are going up to the mountain to worship. How crazy is that? the, The boy and I are going up to the mountain to worship. That gives us the this picture of what true worship is to the Lord. True worship to the Lord is a heart that's surrendered and a life that's obedient. Because Abraham was so surrendered to God, he, he takes Isaac and he, he's, he's willing to lay his son on the altar, the thing that he's been waiting for, the thing that was promised to him, the thing that he went through hell and back for. He's willing to sacrifice it. Because his his heart is surrendered to God. And so out of obedience, he lays Isaac on the altar. And God stops him. It wasn't the blood he wanted. I'm going to say that again. It It wasn't his son's blood that he wanted. He wanted Abraham's obedience. This is what real worship looks like. It looks like this is what real corporate worship looks like. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. It looks like when a body has heard from God and is willing to move simply based off of the fact that God said it. I don't need any other evidence. I'm talking to myself now. I don't need any other evidence. God, if I get back to a place where it's just me and you and there's nothing else, I don't need any other evidence. All I need is your word. 
And that's what I'm going to base my life upon. Not based upon whether or not this church grows or based upon whether or not this business grows. God, if we get down to where the family has nothing again, I'll do it. Why? Not because I, I, I'm looking for your provision down the road. I know you to be a provider. I've seen that time and time again in my life. No, I'm going to do it simply because you said so. And if nothing else shows up, my fulfillment is found in my obedience. This was one of the things now where, where in the beginning of ministry for me, I think this may have been like back in, in 2013 or 14 when I initially got married, God called me to quit my job. Some of you all may have heard this before. Like my wife gets pregnant like the day of our honeymoon. She got pregnant. She gets pregnant. We find out she's pregnant and God calls me to quit my job to go into full-time ministry. Okay, guess that's what we got to do. I was young, 23, 24 years old, young. And like, all right, here we go. I mean, I've been to a place where I had, I wasn't even thinking about the fact that I got a wife and a baby coming. It's like, this is what you said. But I told God, I said, okay, but if I'm going to do this, my wife has to be in agreement. And I went and talked to my wife, and she said, you know, I kind of felt the same thing. So here we are, full-time ministry, because God says so. And I just know that this is about to be cool. Like, man, I'm about to get these stages, shows, because I was doing rap music then. Like, it was Christian rap music. I was rapping and stuff and CDs, little mixtapes and stuff out there. Like, man, I'm about to go travel and do ministry. You know what I ended up doing? Food bank. And church janitorial. You know how much they paid me? Nothing. So we got to a place where we had to literally believe God for $5 to put in the gas tank. And gas was like $4.90 something. <laughs> so let me get a gallon of gas. I get to the church. <laughs> Ended up having to move my pregnant wife in the house with my mom. Lost our apartment. But God, this is what you said. And it was such fulfillment for me in those times. Like, this is what you said. And we see God just show up supernaturally. Like, I don't know if you believe this or not, but you can't refute my testimony because this is things that I saw. Like, somebody just bought us a car. So we needed an SUV because we started having kids. Like, it wasn't just one. We started having kids, kids. So now we need an SUV with third-row seating. Somebody just buy us a car. I'm just sitting in my room, depressed, playing PlayStation because we have to take a kid to the hospital, and there's no money. And the kids got to go to Springfield. Five dollars ain't going to cut it. And, and my mom comes up with mail and some, a family member just randomly sends me a $7,000 check. Like this money was used like I, I didn't have a bank account. I didn't, I've seen God do these things, but these things were, were, were just the, the overflow of disobedience, right? But the, not disobedience this obedience. They were overflow of just following God. But then there came another time when there was nothing. And now you call me to pastor a church? And the church can't pay me. And so I, you, you're telling me now that I have to go beyond full time into like double time ministry? Because now I'm not just a worship leader. I'm not just the, the, the janitorial guy. Like I'm the pastor. And you have to do this, these things simply because God said it. And we've seen God show up in such ways and just natural, you know, natural blessings, like financial things have happened where, you know, for some entrepreneur, if you would look at my business, you'd say, you're not an entrepreneur. These are side hustles. But the side hustles was getting it done. 
side hustles that just kind of make things work, ends meet, and say, God, you're making ends meet. And, and here we are. We're in this place where we're just obeying you. And this church now where there's 10 people coming to church and all of them have pastor titles and all of them have been preaching longer than I've been preaching, but this is what you gave me. And so you keep going. And then you start seeing some increase. Like, wait a minute, here's some people that are coming and people coming and lives are being changed. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, God, look, what are you doing here? And then here comes another crazy instruction from the Lord. And now in a time where, you know, I used to just be like, okay, God, you said it, we'll do it. I find myself wrestling. Because these things almost become like overwhelming. You become proud of it. Man, this little church is doing good now. But you're telling me you want me to make this pivot? God will always bring us to a place where we find out, not where he finds out, but where we find out is he really our treasure. Are you really my treasure, God? Because if you're really my treasure, I'll forsake everything to follow you. I believe that's what God is calling us as a body, not just renaissance, not just abundant life, my church, not just, you know, but the whole body, every born again believer. He's calling us to a place where we know he's our treasure and we'll forsake everything to follow him. So God, if you tell me to spontaneously get up and shout, I'll spontaneously get up and shout. I won't care about my reputation. The person next to me looks says, God, if you tell me to give this ridiculous gift, then I don't know how this thing's going to get budgeted. I don't know what next week or next month is going to look like. I'm just going to do it because you said so. It's not based off of how I feel, not based off of my emotions, but it's based off the fact that you said it. Because you said it, that's enough for me. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray, God, that through all of the examples or even, Lord, maybe some of the extra words that were not necessary, I pray, God, that your word will find each heart right where we are. But God, don't let this just be something for us that either made us feel good or feel bad, but let this be something that is life transformative for us. Let this be something for us, God, that we build our lives upon and we walk this Christian walk upon. Cause us to value, help us to value your word more than we value our feelings. And I pray, God, that through this obedience, that this city will be changed. The body of Christ in Decatur, Illinois, God, I pray that because of our obedience to you, this city will be changed. Whatever our assignment is, our city will be changed because we obey you. Thank you, Lord, especially for Renaissance and the people here. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing in this house. So amazing to see, God, all of the people that just jump in and serve, even some of the new faces that... I see serving. Lord, that's encouraging. I thank you for what you're doing in this house. I pray, God, that Jeff will continue to hear your voice and obey. We know he hears from you. The evidence is here. And I pray, God, especially for the staff and the people that are around and even those that you're calling into ministry here, I pray, God, that there would just be a special place of submission and surrender. 
their hearts, Lord, not just to follow Jeff, but to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to support you and have you be a part of our community. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. There you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, and even contribute to the growth of the church through online giving. Or you can come see us in person on Sunday mornings in downtown Decatur. We can't wait to see you.